J.J. Cooper, Jeff Ponce, Baseball America, Prospect Hot Sheet Podcast today. We're going to talk about this week's hot sheet, a day delayed. We we, we did try to make sure that we didn't have everyone working on uh, on Monday on the holiday. Uh, I can't promise you that I didn't work, but I, I did. we did try to make sure that not everyone did. So we came out for a hot sheet today. And with that, as always, a fascinating hot sheet, whole lot of names to go through, we're not going to talk about all 20, but we're going to get a good sample of them. And especially, and I think the thing that I think that a lot of you all enjoy about this, we're not going to just play the hits. You know, we're probably a little less likely to talk about Junior Caminero than we are, say, Julian Aguilar, who it, it's going to be a, a nice mix. But I think we're also going to definitely hit on some guys who are worth mentioning for the seasons they're having and maybe a little less famous than some of the other players that have also had great seasons. So Jeff, glad to be here again today. I'm, I am filling the, the very, uh, the very lofty shoes of uh, the very large shoes of, of Josh Norris. And so I'm kind of, you, you got the sub here today uh, with Jeff, but you still got Jeff. So I all's good, but Jeff, how are you doing? And more importantly, how depressed are you by the realization that before long we'll be done with the minor league season? You know what? Um, I'm doing great. And uh, I have some fun series coming up here. Uh, I got, uh, I got New Hampshire and uh, oh, um, totally drawn a blank on, on who they have right now. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. They're out of town. Uh, New Hampshire next week with Somerset in town, which I'll, I'll probably be able to get through Thorpe, I hope. Um, but with some of the big promotions to Portland, um, Portland has one last series against Hartford to close the year. Um, it's a little bit of a drive, but you got Roman Anthony and Kyle Teal. And maybe a couple of midweek games in Portland would be kind of nice. You know, the crowds aren't as big because uh, they pack it up there on the weekends. <laughs> Maybe head out there, get to see Kyle Teal and uh, and actually see Roman Anthony for the first time. So kind of looking forward to that. And uh, Binghamton is in Hartford this week. So I uh, might head over there and uh, catch Binghamton because I didn't have an opportunity to catch him the last time that they were here uh, with New Hampshire a few weeks back. So looking forward to that. But, you know, I'm going to take a positive spin on it. Um, I feel like during the season, as, as fun as it is and, you know, as as much as we're, we're chasing stories, we're chasing players, you can't be everywhere. This stuff is evolving by the day. Things are changing, injuries, whatever. Um, promotions, guys struggle at different levels. So there's all these different layers. I do like being able to tour, sort of, once the season ends, take a step back, take inventory, and be able to just look at a lot of different players that maybe I wasn't able to dig in on. And... Uh, you know, with uh, with the wonder of modern technology, I can go back. I can watch video of these players. I can look at a variety of data sets on these players, um, pull things in, do things with spreadsheets, and and have some fun, and maybe try to find some outliers that I missed. I mean, I know a guy that that I sort of popped last year through this process that I didn't, even though he's in my system, and covered uh, the Astros was Kennedy Corona is I got a much more of appreciation for like Kennedy Corona last off season, like in the late fall, early winter period um, that I had during the, 
the 2022 season. So I think that there's, you know, it's sad that I won't be able to go out to games and, you know, I won't be able to just turn on TV and, and watch some minor league games. But, you know, that, that period in time when we're, we're preparing for the handbook, but we kind of have a few weeks to, to work on stuff and get prepared and, and set your off season up and the games are over. It's kind of fun to just watch some playoff MLB baseball and, you know, work on stuff and dig through and, and maybe find some stuff that you didn't notice. Cause you know, we're, we're human and there's, there's only so much we can see even with, uh, with our robot friend, uh, Robo Scout helping us out here in 2023. Um, there's still going to be guys that, that kind of fly under the radar, especially like pitchers, some of that stuff. Um, also maybe digging in a little bit on some later round draftees and how they, they've performed. So I don't know. I, I, I want to take a positive spin on it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be sad. I appreciate the full calendar uh, and the cycles of the baseball season. <laughs> the the thing that you just struck on that, that is something I think is important to me is when you just said like, I am in awe of what we can do now. That was sci-fi when I started at baseball America. Like, you know, when you watch like a, a sci-fi movie from like the sixties or seventies and they're showing yeah. what 2000 supposed to look like, and we have flying cars and all that. Well, my baseball version of that is if you'd have told 2001 fresh faced JJ Cooper walking into baseball America, that in 2023, that I'd be doing a piece about for one, that I'd be doing a piece about a draftee who was drafted in July, which would have been needle scratch moment. Number one, like the drafts in July. But drafted in July, you know, and playing in the big leagues within a month of being drafted. And I'd have been like, wait, what? That's that's happening. But then if you'd have told me, and by the way, you can watch every ball that he put in play at every level, except for the complex league where he played one game. So I could watch every time I could reach if I wanted to, I could have watched every pitch. but. I had the time to watch every ball that he put in play. That had been a sci-fi thing that, that 20, that 2002, which, sorry, I didn't start in one. I started in two, 2002 new to baseball America. JJ Cooper would have said that's not even possible. And now it's like, we just take it for granted. It's like, okay, I'm going to watch every ball that Nolan Shawnee will hit this year, except for again, for the pro ball, except for one game. And that's just now just, okay, that's what it is. I can, I'm doing a piece on Jack Leiter and I can dial up. Here's what starts. Do I want to look at from Leiter? How many outings do I want to watch? And those are things that we just now can do. Whereas it wasn't that many years ago that that just didn't exist. And I say this, okay. I said that from my perspective, but also if you're a fan of this, the other part of this is, is with tools that we just have that are publicly available, you just have MILB TV or a Bally app. Uh, you know, on your phone, you can watch most minor league games, which is something that was, again, just crazy, not that many years ago. But we digress. So we're going to jump in now, Jeff. And I think the one we're going to start with, and I think is useful for us to dive in on, is a player in an org that I think the org itself, I think, is worth highlighting a little bit on, which is Justin Henry Malloy, very high on this week's hot sheet. And I, I'm kind of kind of lead into this by asking about Justin, but also leading into it, asking about, we also had Jace Young uh, had a two home run game last night. That'll be reflected in next week's hot sheet, not this one. But Jace Young, you had Justice Bigby, who's been, again, he's not on this week's, but if we're talking about 
under the radar performers this year who've broken out. Justice Bigby is very high on that list and is someone I'm really excited to kind of dive into more in the offseason and kind of figure out what we have there. We have Colt Keith. There's there are hitters in the Tigers organization who've had good years and there haven't been that many of those that we could say that uh, for a period of time. But Jeff, what is it that jumps out to you about Justin? Yeah, I think it's the consistency. Um, if you look throughout a season and, you know, he's kind of been a little under the radar, not to say that we didn't talk about him. I mean, I think he popped onto our radar last year. The data was good. The performance was good. Trade happens. He's in the AFL. Um, so we got a lot of exposure in 2022. Uh, and I think as it tends to happen with sometimes with players in AAA, um, just because it's not a, a level that I think people focus on as much, maybe as they potentially should. <laughs> um, guys like this that spend the whole season at AAA can kind of get lost in the shuffle, despite all the access to information and data, et cetera. Um, you know, he had a great April, really struggled in May. And I would say if you look at the, the the totality of his season month by month, really May was the only bad month that he had in AAA. Um, you know, in July, just absolutely mashed, did the same thing uh, in August. And he's turned the, the heat up in September already as well. Um, so I think you, you just kind of look at, at, you know, the totality of his season and you say, hey, he's 23 years old, um, a guy that's not even Rule 5 eligible until – next December, next year. Um, so they don't have to make a move right now. Maybe they will. We'll see what happens. But obviously wasn't part of September call-ups. But take a step back. And, I mean, overall, his numbers are really, really good on on the season. Um, you know, uh, just as, as managed to um, get on base, uh, which is something that we've, we've seen him consistently do at every level. It's actually gotten better this year. Obviously, he's had the benefit of, you know, the ABS system and challenge, et cetera, uh, which helps, but it wasn't something that was lacking, you know, um, in his game previously he had a 408 on base percentage last year. It's 432 this year. And he's slashing 292, 432, 509. Um, not crazy power, but 23 home runs enough that he does impact the baseball. And I think this guy, if you look at the players that the Tigers have now, that are young either in the major leagues or right on the cusp with him and Keith uh, and, and Bigby as well. You also have Kerry Carpenter who broke out last year and has been really, really good this year in the majors. Mm -hmm. um, Riley Green, when he's back, if he can stay fully healthy and he kind of, uh, he's still so young that it's like he can still materialize a lot of that power upside, et cetera. Spencer Torkelson has taken a step forward this year. And all of a sudden you mix these guys in and you kind of have a pretty interesting one to seven or so uh, with a bunch of different players that can hit young players that are, you know, under team control for a number of years. Um, and I, I think if you look across the board, all these guys have really good approaches. So um, even if the, you know, the balls aren't falling, you want to say what you want to say about their home environment for power, they're all going to work deep in accounts that are really going to make pitchers work. And I don't think that's something that the Tigers have done in probably 10 years. The other thing that I would say with uh, with with the thing that also stands out to me is I kind of thought season that if you just looked at how the Tigers were playing him, I, I thought we were kind of seeing an end to him as a third baseman and who, well, this guy's 
more of an outfielder, probably more of a left fielder. Um, there was a stretch there. He didn't play third base almost at all in June and, and basically uh, into July. It was kind of a stretch there where he, he had a lot of problems with errors, especially throwing errors early. And so I was like, okay, maybe they've decided, because defense has been one of the questions with him. Maybe they've just outfielder, but it is worth kind of noting recently they've moved him back to third base pretty much full time over the last uh, two and a half weeks or so. And he's been a little better there as far as his throwing accuracy and all. Now, again, I'm not, I haven't dove deep with scouts. I haven't looked at any video of, of how he's looking over there right now, but it is worth noting that if you looked at his season, started at third base, a lot of errors early on, throwing errors especially, moved to left and right field for a couple of months, and now has shifted back to third base. Just something worth keeping an eye on because obviously now this is a team that has a, a couple of these players who we could talk about, like where's Colt Keith going to play long-term? I, I think I think Jace Young is a second baseman. I think that's where they look at him like pretty much long-term. I think that's a more set. But you have these infielders where it's like, okay, where are they all going to fit? Malloy obviously could go to the outfield, but at the same time, they haven't shelved him playing third base, which again, if I'd have said a month and a half ago, I'd have thought maybe they were. Yeah, and I think the thing with him, as you as you hit on, was the throwing. Um, it's never really been the infield actions, the range, any of that stuff. He's fairly athletic. Um, and I had gotten that from scouts when you know I was covering him in the Braves organization last year. Because um, I think he was a guy that either jumped onto the list or jumped onto the list and made a pretty significant jump up. Um, but yeah, I mean, and if it's you know a, a throwing thing, a mental thing, and it's something that they've been able to coach him and work with him with him, it's you know on the side or whatever throughout the season, and he's at a level you know where he's comfortable making those throws, even if he can be a forty-five, fifty arm over there, um, I think the actions uh, are good enough that he can be sort of an average uh, third baseman, which certainly helps their lineup quite a bit and uh, you know, allows them to get all these guys in and, and play them um, on an everyday basis. Cause that is one of the things is I don't think, you know, outside of Riley green, uh, all these different players that we're bringing up, none of them are tremendous athletes. Um, Kerry Carpenter plays, you know, okay. in right field, but um, <laughs> they're sort of, but they're um, bats first. Sort of all these guys exactly. are bat first guys. Exactly. And that's, but well, the next guy we're going to get to is one of, I would say, the uh, I, I probably had as many discussions with Jeff about this player, this pitcher, as, as almost anyone this year. But we'll do that right after this quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. So, Jeff, let's dive into the fascination, the, the, let's add some illumination. Let's discuss and try to add some trickeration. I don't know. I ran out of shuns, but uh, <laughs> Ricky Tiedemann, Blue Jays, flame throwing, fireballing, strikeout compiling machine, who also does so in very short bursts. So, what are we to make? about uh his his season so far that was some muhammad ali level touting yeah. right there I, no I that was not that was that was you were doing you basement level you went big yeah <laughs> maybe more of a don king but it works um i, I am no fife dog it is clear <laughs> i'm more of a jerobi <laughs> but uh yeah tiedemann i think is is maybe the most fascinating pitching prospect right now in the minor leagues. And the reason that I say that is um, he has this tremendous upside and I think it's apparent um, it's three above average to plus pitches. You might put plus plus grades on the changeup. Um, if depending upon how you grade fastballs, you might throw a plus plus grade on a fastball. Um, so there's, there is a, a, a great pitch mix. It's very defined. Um, when he's locating and I've, I've seen him enough now, uh, that I've seen when he's locating, he can just dominate. Um, but at the same time, he's had some struggles. Um, there's been some command issues. I think more than people would probably like, uh, to say, I, I, I think he, I think he's been more similar to Kyle Harrison this year than I think people want to admit. Um, and that's not to take anything away from what Kyle Harrison hey, has done. That's- that's actually like yeah. that's I take that kind of as a positive in some ways, considering the flashes yeah. of dominance that Kyle Harrison. Sure, made. exactly. So I think we all know what the upside is here. And he showed that this week. He had he had two different turns um, that were, I think, three and two thirds. And another one, they went three innings, um, you know, struck out 11 in one of them. Um, so out of 16 really- batters faced 11 of the 16 batters. Yes. Faced. Yes. Um, so, I mean, it was another standout performance. We've seen these from Tiedemann before. But the question still lingers with him is, can he throw 85 pitches consistently once every week? I'm not even saying a five-man rotation at this point. Just 80 to 85 pitches once every seven days. Because that's what you're doing in the minor leagues. We have not seen that from Tiedemann um, really since that short burst it was about 70 75 pitches uh in his is you know first full season he, in 2022 he has exceeded 60 pitches once this year and that was 64 pitches so just to give you a perspective and that was the and, game that he got injured with the bicep injury was it not and by the way yeah as you said like last year also never reached 85 pitches so Ever. 
Could they be taking it easy with them? Sure. But there are legitimate injury concerns still. And I think that's what stops us from really pushing him up to where his talent level should be. I think that's the big clarifying, illuminating point here, whatever you want to say, is that he's got top two, top three pitching prospect in baseball potential, number one pitching prospect in baseball potential. But we have to see that durability factor if we're really going to be able to project this guy as a starting pitcher long term, that's an impact guy, whether it's a, a two, you know, a number two or potentially that that rare ace sort of starter. Um, we've seen more of that from Grayson Rodriguez leading up to when he made his debut than we had from Tiedemann at the same points. Um, so I think it's it's an interesting conversation and question uh, with Tiedemann. And it's just sort of how risky do you want to be? How worried are you about um, the injury red flags that have been there? And, you know, what can this guy potentially turn into if that's if if he's able to take that next step next year. But I, I think what holds us back is, is him still taking that next step because nobody debates that talent. I just to put it in perspective, and obviously Grayson has reached the majors this year, but Grayson Rodriguez has made 27 starts this year. He's gone 75 pitchers or more in 26 of them. Ricky Tiedemann has yet to throw 75 pitches in a start this year and didn't do so very often last year as well. And if you go back, like take whatever year you want to pick, I'm not saying when Grayson was younger that they didn't watch over him, but he's still in 2021 was going 75 to 85 pitches regularly. It is a, it's a key attribute to being a starter. And it is a key attribute of being a starting pitcher in the majors. I should say in the majors, especially it's a key attribute of being a star in the majors that for whatever reason is still a to-do list item for Ricky Tiedemann. And that's something that I completely agree with you when you're talking about the best starting pitching prospects in the game, you can't ignore that because that's, that's part of, again, we're not talking about, Oh, he will, he'll go nine every time out. That's something that pretty much, doesn't seem to exist nowadays, but if you're not going 85 pitches, you're not going five, right? Yeah. You're not, you're not, you're not even doing the, I'm going to five and dive if you're not getting to 85 pitches on a pretty regular basis. And that's still a to-do item. So I completely agree. That's something that really is going to still be a to-do item clearly for going into 2024, right? Yeah. I think that's the big, the big box that needs to be checked. If he comes out, He's healthy coming out of spring training. You know, I would assume he's going to be assigned to Buffalo. And if we see him go five innings, four, five, six starts in a row, okay, like I'm, I'm all in. I, 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 like I said, it's five innings. Like I don't need him to be out here throwing 110 pitches and going into the seventh. I don't need to see that. Just go five. Like I just want to see him consistently go five. You know, even if they're just pulling him after five, that early in the season because you want to get him through the year, great. And it's not a physicality thing. He look he's a he's a physical guy. He's not six six or anything like that. But you know, tall, broad, strong, athletic. I, I don't think the body is is not capable of handling it. We just don't know what's going on internally with you know whatever issues. I know he's dealt with shoulder and bicep and stuff over the years. So um, 
it's just, is this a guy that's on the cusp of breaking or is it a guy that's on the cusp of breaking out? There is a risk. There's a true risk reward. And it's a very thin line. I think with, with Tiedemann, as much as like, I go to watch him as much as I can, because I, I, he's great to watch. I mean, there's not many pitching prospects um, that have better just raw stuff or that you can see sort of that magical spurt of dominance quite like him. There's, there aren't many guys I've watched over the years in the minors that can do that. And he can. Um, so the next guy, speaking of guys who have shown that they can do that, Julian Aguiar has, I, I think still is a little bit below the radar for a lot of people out there. You might be listening to this. And when I say that you go, okay, what team does he play for? Uh, the Reds. And he is yet another of what I would say is, is a very, I, I, not the place to go too deep into this, but I do look at the Reds the last couple of years and say, there's a lot of success stories here. There are, you can look obviously at the major league level and say, it's not just Ellie, it's Ellie De La Cruz and Matt McClain. They acquired Spencer Steer, who stepped right into their lineup. They've acquired Noel Marte, who's now up with the big league club. They obviously have developed, although they have had some injuries with some of the pitchers, but they have a, a run of pitchers who have reached the majors for them a slew of pitchers who pitched in the majors for them, especially with this recent COVID outbreak. But then you look in the minors and there is, there is another wave coming. I, I feel like, and, and Aguiar is part of that started the year at high a and really had a stretch of just utter dominance at that level that made it clear that, that it was time for him to move up. And you say, okay, double a Southern league should be a bigger test. And I'm not saying he didn't have some adjustment period there, First couple of outings weren't all that great, but here you are again, and he's strung out the last, he hasn't walked a batter in his last three starts. He's gone five innings and six innings, then seven innings with a 29 to nothing. I'm sorry, 19, 20, uh, 25 to nothing uh, strikeout to walk ratio really can pitch is getting again by 2023 standards, reasonably deep in games. And I, I think does have the stuff to see this playing at the major league level. I don't think his stuff compares necessarily to a Hunter Green, to a Connor Phillips, those kind of guys. But I, I do think that there's stuff here to be a big league starter, which is worth kind of highlighting, especially when you see the level, the again, the consistency of success. This is a guy who does know how to pitch. Uh, second round pick, of uh, uh, 12th round pick, I'm sorry, out of Cypress JC. Again, it's a less traditional developmental path, but, uh, you know, out of California, not a whole lot of California JCs. Nowadays, the California JCs are not what they were back in the days of Evan Longoria. And, uh, I'll shout out Daniel Nava, uh, personal fave as well, but to see what he's done, just, I think it's worth uh, highlighting. And I don't know if you have any thought that's one that I've been kind of bearing down on and kind of watched some of his starts recently, but, but anything you want to add to that, Jeff? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's funny that you bring that up when we're talking about consecutive California JC players with Ricky yeah. Tiedemann, <laughs> who also went to a JC. But part of that was obviously I think the 2020 draft being shortened to five rounds. But um, yeah, I, I like Aguiar. Um, you know, I think it's uh, it's definitely um, an interesting pitch mix. You know, it's more of a, a two seam uh, versus a four seam fastball. Um, but he's got velocity, you know, sits 
a four to five will touch 96, um, you know, gets ground balls on that pitch, mixes in a, a good slider that gets whiffs. It's wouldn't call it a straight sweeper, but it's, it's kind of sweepy, um, you know, miss, and, and he's got what four or five different pitch shapes. If you, if you factor in the four seam. So there's some power there. There's some shapes and this is a heck of a, of a grab for them in the 12th rounds uh, a couple of years back set out of, uh, Cypress JC in California, which has a famous Cape connection. Um, their longtime manager was actually uh, Yarmouth Dennis manager, Scott Pickler. I, I knew you would probably get there eventually as well. I'm not surprised <laughs> there at all. But uh, the, when we talk about this is not an off the radar guy, but I feel like his season has been so good that we're not talking about it enough, which is Orioles catcher Samuel Basayo, who I get it. There's only so many prospects so many teenage prospects that can gather attention and when you're in the same organization where jackson holiday is now playing in triple a having started the year as a low a teammate of samuel basayo that there's kind of okay he gets a lot of the attention but to look at the season that basayo has had just turned 19 like he has played most of this year as an 18 year old catcher first baseman but primarily catcher now has 17 home runs. I think even more importantly, probably for the long-term development, 298, 395, 17. That is, hasn't struck out at an insane rate, has drawn walks. That is an exceptional year. Now at high A in Aberdeen for them, that's an exceptional year for a teenage catcher. And I feel like we've been saying that a lot lately. We've had the Queros who jumped to, uh, to, to double A. We've had... Ethan Salas, who's rewriting kind of the rules of this uh, as he uh, plays in double A. And it's like, wait, you just turned 17, all that. But but I don't know if we're talking and I'm, I'm sure you are because you also dig deep on our Orioles system. But uh, but what is there left to say about Samuel Bissett? Um, I, I think the interesting thing with this guy is just how young he is. Um, spent most of the season at 18 years old. Um, he's going to be in double A to start next year, I think. M maybe not. Maybe it's going to be a little bit of Aberdeen. But if you look at what he's done in a month in Aberdeen, he's more than succeeded at that level. He's mashing. He played two games this week and made the hot sheet. And in those two games, he hit three home runs. Um, he put, I believe, four or five balls into play that were over 100 miles per hour. Four of them were over 103. And consecutive days, he hit home runs that were 110 miles per hour off the bat. He's a teenager. This is a guy that would have been drafted this year out of high school, I believe. Um, so put that all into perspective, and it's it's pretty wild that He's doing what he's doing at this level. And I think if, if this was an American prep prospect, he, he might even be ranked higher. Um, I just think it's a matter of like familiarity. Um, there's so many names in that Baltimore system. You can get lost in the shuffle, a little bit lower level guy, uh, and didn't have a tremendous amount of hype coming into the season. I think this is the year this offseason when Desayo's hype really goes into, into hyperdrive especially as some of these other Orioles prospects graduate. We don't know this, but potentially some of them finally get traded 
for long-term pitching reinforcements. I, I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, at some point, can, it has to happen. It's top three prospect in this in this system. Um, it's not crazy because I think you look at Jackson Holiday's trajectory. He's on this Jordan Walker, Corbin Carroll, whatever trajectory where this is a guy that could be up in the major leagues at the start of next season. Obviously, Carroll got some time at the end of last year, but. He could be a guy that breaks camp. Like you're saying Holiday could be, not Basayo. Yeah, Holiday, Holiday, not Basayo, no. Basayo's yeah. probably two years away. It just depends on the catching and you know that sort of thing. But I, I think you look at this guy's bat. I, I think he's ready for double A right now. I don't think he'd be overmatched. Um, the, the thing that, that again, that stands out with Basayo also to me, cannon of an arm. Like this is a really, really good arm. It's very plausible that he spends most of next year in double a as a 19 year old, which I to, to kind of tie into what you were just saying, how this process works. We update all through the season. We do. However, there is, as Jeff kind of did a nice little intro for us today, there is a value to once the season's finished to doing the reporting, to doing the gathering of the information to kind of better understand what happened better analyze what happened in in season um that that when you tie all this together i i think completely i think that there's a very good chance that basayo climbs our hundred when we do our offseason hundred list because we're going to have more information and the season he's had is one worthy of a whole lot of dissection we're gonna keep on rolling we're not gonna do too many more guys but i've got a guy and you've got a guy that we want to cover before we wrap this up. The guy I want to cover on the back of this list, again, when we talk about guys who have had incredible seasons who maybe aren't being talked about as much, very high on that list for me is, is Reds outfielder Blake Dunn. He just reached the 2050 mark, where that means 20 home runs, 50 stolen bases in the same season. Now, Let's acknowledge stolen bases are a little easier to, to, to gather these days than they were. The rules have been changed in the majors and the minors to try to encourage stolen bases. So we'll start by acknowledging that. Okay, having acknowledged that, if you said, huh, so how often has a minor leaguer had 20 homers and 50 steals in a season, the same season, in the 21st century? The answer right now is two. Jonathan Class A may change that because he needs one more home run to join the club as well. but the only two members of that club in the 21st century are Anthony Volpe, who did it last year, and now Blake Dunn. And Blake Dunn has done that while also he's hitting 322 this year. He's posted a 428 on base percentage, helped in part by the fact that he's been hit 31 times, which uh, the OBP. His body may not like that, but the OBP surely loves getting plunked. And the great thing about it for him is when he does get hit, when he does walk, when he does get on first base, 50 steals and 57 attempts. He is a very efficient and very productive base stealer. Again, as we were talking about with Aguiar, this is a 2021 15th rounder of the Reds out of Western Michigan. Another kind of late round fine. He is he is old for the levels. We will acknowledge that. But that said, you are talking about a true athlete here. You are talking about someone who will give you at least 70 run times, if not better, 
who can play kind of all around the outfield, who also is showing power to go with that speed and hitting for average and getting on base. Man, I, that this is a guy that I do again. I'm I'm looking forward to diving further on him as the uh, as we kind of wrap up the season. But what a season! One utterly worthy of acknowledgement. And then Jeff, that leads me to your guy that you want to talk about, which is our sleeper or sorry, helium guy. We used to call him sleepers. Now we call him helium. Our helium prospect for this week's hot sheet, Darren Bowen. Yeah, this is a guy that um, had actually been mentioned to me by someone within the org um, back in the early part of the summer. And uh, he's really popped, Um, you know, hasn't pitched a ton. This is a guy from a smaller school background. It's I believe UNC Pembroke. Um, Is that division one? UNC Pembroke is, I don't think so. If I remember correctly, but I'm looking it up. It might be D2, but double check on that. Um, But, you know, didn't always start was kind of D2. Sorry, D2 interrupt. Was back and forth from the bullpen, um, but really projectable, um, pretty tall, thin, athletic guy. Um, One of these guys that one of the things that was told about him, uh, and this kind of is, uh, I guess, a shout out to uh, the future projection podcast where we talk a lot of player development. He blows up the for, uh, force plates. Yeah, force plates data. Um, he's a legitimate athlete. There's more to come here. I think there's more power. Then you look at what he's been doing. The pitchability stuff is coming along. The stuff, just the stuff on paper, has been great. Um, fastball. It's been down a little bit now, but has at points this season sat 93 to 95, touched 96. With heavy bore, he's getting 17 to 19 inches of induced vertical break with about 10 to 12 inches of horizontal break, which is like almost perfect sort of uh, uh, efficiency and movement on that fastball. With some power, he's got a sweeper with a little bit of ride. That's kind of an unusual one. Um, And he's got really good um, mechanics. Like he doesn't repeat that well. That's something that he's really coming into. I know Kyle shouted that out uh, in his write-up, and he's correct. I watched him last night, which was a start that didn't actually count for the hot sheet. And I believe he went five innings on 51 pitches and then came back out for the sixth and gave up a home run and struggled a little bit and gave up three runs. Uh, But up until that point in the fifth, he was really dominating and, you know, wasn't blowing guys away, but really goes after, uh, after batters, you know, will pitch to contact at times Uh, is really good at getting weak contact as well. Um, and it's just about the development of that curveball, the changeup, and, and sort of what the third pitch looks like. But he's a really interesting sort of upside arm um, that it's an unusual background. You know, he was a later round guy. I think he was a 12th round pick. Sometimes it takes a little while. So I think don't be pessimistic just because he spent the entire season in low A. He's building up. It's a stock farm system as well with plenty of arms and guys that have earned their opportunities. So I think he's a guy that can move pretty fast next year. I think this is sort of the training wheel season a little bit for Bowen. So this was a a really good shout out by Kyle Glazer, who put together the hot sheet this week. Kudos to him. Kudos to him. But so that's like, we've spanned the globe. We've, or at least we spanned the the United States covering guys, coming prospects from the East, the central and the West. We will be back next week. Still have a few of these hot sheets to go. Although we are again, we are, by the time we do this next week, we will be done with the regular season, Class A seasons. Sniff, sniff. 
not too long after that, we'll be done with the minor league regular seasons, which is hard to believe. The older I get, the faster these fly by. I tell you that much. I can <laughs> promise you that much. It's amazing to me what the feeling of like a season being over and a season beginning and all that. And the older I get, it is amazing how quickly they, they seem to the, the season just blows by in a, in a blink of an eye. But we hope you've enjoyed this. As always, thank you to our B for our podcast subscribers. Thank you for subscribing. Feel free to leave us a review, especially a five-star review. Helps other people find us. But on top of that, as we always like to do, thank you to our Baseball America subscribers. A lot of great stuff over at BaseballAmerica.com. Our best tools uh, this week, if you want to see who managers and coaches highlighted from every level of the uh, full-season minors and the major leagues, check that out, BaseballAmerica.com for BA subscribers. For Jeff, I'm JJ. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.